Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Jeremy Kubitschek, who is the executive chairman of Giant, a company that certifies coaches and consultants that serve companies and their employees. Jeremy has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Jeremy is a powerful communicator, serial entrepreneur, and content builder. He creates content used by some of the largest companies around the globe found in the books he has authored, The 100X Leader, Five Voices, Five Gears, and the national bestseller, Making Your Leadership Come Alive. I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Jeremy. I certainly know I did. So without further ado, please welcome in Jeremy Kubitschek. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining. Man, I'm excited to be with you today. Let's do this. I'm excited to chat with you too, dude. I uh, you got such a long, rich history of of all these different businesses you've started and and those type of things. And I want to take a trip down memory lane if we can, if we can start, because it's you know a lot of the folks I have in the podcast. It always seems like there's some sort of turning point or two or ten <laughs> of how they got on the path that they're on today, um, because generally it hasn't started off that way. Maybe it was childhood or adolescence or into college or beyond. So can you share, is there a turning point you remember back in the day that got you kind of off a different path and onto the one that led you to where you're at today? Yeah. You know, I like that. I like the, the concept of, it. I, was, I was, my mind started thinking of trajectory, you mm-hmm. know, like as a, as something's coming through space and something else hits it and it changes trajectory. Yeah. So it's like, what are the things that change trajectory for me? Um, this is random. I didn't think I'd go. My grandmother took me to Europe when I was 16 years old mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go with my grandma to Europe. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. oh, and we went on a tour bus with a bunch of old people in my mind at the time. And they were, yeah. they're, they're probably close to my age now. I thought they were <laughs> but um, anyway, she took me and um, it, like I got to see the world from Oklahoma to Europe. And I'll, all of a sudden uh, she told me one day, she goes, you love to ski. Why don't you go ski? We were at the Matterhorn. It was in summer. I'm like, mm-hmm. you can't ski. It's summer. She goes, no, you can ski. Look, here's a brochure. And she showed me the brochure. You can ski the glacier. And I was like, but I don't have any of my stuff. And she goes, well, here. And she threw me a pair of socks she goes, you use his gloves. And I literally put socks on my hands as gloves. I borrowed a bunch of stuff because it was in the summer. I just borrowed some, a ski jacket. And, and I was like, I went to ski. And it was like the first thought of the phrase, one of my mottos is, who says you can't? And that was like a big deal. Like, who says you can't? And all of a sudden, I get to the top. I'm 16 years old. I'm up there by myself at the Matterhorn. I'm skiing. I'm a good skier. And I love to ski, but I'm by myself and I'm meeting people 
And it was like the change the moment of like, I'm above the clouds kind of a deal looking down. And I was like, I did it. I skied. And I remember walking back through carrying my skis through town, like with this swagger, mm. but it was like this, but it wasn't like pride and cockiness. It was like confidence. And that was a key moment that I have never thought of until you just asked me that. Well, you know, so it's, in, it's interesting though, because you were back, you know, you're 16 there. Do you remember at that time? Like it's, you know, it's so crazy. Sometimes we have to think back and try to put ourselves in the shoes. Did you have that thought process then? Or is it kind of looking back now? You're like, yeah, that's, that's what I got out of it as it went forward. But you didn't, or you almost didn't recognize it when you were 16. Do you, do you no, remember I that? Knew, no, actually I knew, I knew something was going on. Like okay. there was, it was what it was. It was fear. It was like acting like I belong. Do I belong? How do mm. I? And I was like, yeah, I remember, I remember sitting and having a, a lunch and I met this British couple and they're like, you mean you came by yourself? You mean you have socks on your hands? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean, and they loved the ingenuity and they just affirmed it. And they were like, Hey, I just want to tell you, this is like one of the bravest things I've seen. Good job. Yeah. And it was like, but I knew something was happening that day. So in that moment, uh, it was like a big deal. It was a marker um, that really set me up. Had had you ever traveled before, or was that like the first big time you got oh, outside been, of? I'd been to Mexico and things like that, okay. but not like not. Yeah, that was the first time. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting because yeah, that I I, I imagine because I I've actually mentioned this a lot is like. I didn't travel a lot as a kid. And when I started to travel a little more, I still don't travel a ton, but like actually get out there and, and expose myself to new situations. And maybe that's what you went through. It's like this whole new world, you know, it's like Aladdin out on the, the carpet above that's like, what is going on? Like, whoa, I didn't even know this existed. And it just opens you up. Like what, like the way you mentioned, who says you can't, like what questions haven't I asked? Why don't I think like, why am I in this such a small mindset, you know? And, and I think that's something to all the listeners, like um, I catch myself and I think I think big, but I'll tell myself at time, Jeremy, think bigger, think bigger. Like there's a whole nother element here. There's a whole nother way to, to think. And a lot of people are not wired that way. A lot of people are wired to like, hey, I get up, I make the donuts. That's just what I do. I like it. Mm -hmm. I'm present oriented. And there's a lot of people who are future oriented and they can see it and they want to think big. But, you know, uh, I took my kids. So because of that trip, I then ended up going to Russia. I moved to, when I was 21, I moved to Russia and started companies oh, wow. in, Moscow in the early 90s. Uh, because of that trip, I decided, my wife and I decided, let's move our kids overseas. And we moved to London and we lived in London for two years. Because of that trip, uh, we went to uh, backpack. Uh, because of my grandmother taking me to, to Zermatt, I decided while we're over there, we're going to go backpack Europe with my kids, three kids and my wife. We went through uh, Europe all because of this trajectory, these, these moments. And we backpacked Europe and we're up in Hitler's Eagle's Nest. And this is the craziest story. Up in Hitler's Eagle's Nest is like in Austrian mountains. It's beautiful. And we're up at the top and I'm looking around and I don't know anyone. And then all of a sudden I look over and there's this guy. And I go, Aubrey? And he's from Oklahoma. His name's Aubrey McClendon. And some people don't like him because he was considered the fracking king. Okay. He, he was the leading energy guy of the 90s and 2000s and uh, kajillionaire. Just did. 
And I knew of him, but I didn't know him. And we get to know him and his dad was with him and his dad liberated Hitler's Eagle's nest with world war II. He was with the 101st airborne. And we're like, Oh my gosh. And he's telling his stories. Well, because of that, um, we tell him, Hey, we're thinking about moving back to Oklahoma. Our kids wanted to get back to high school there. And, uh, we told him our vision for, we wanted to create a neighborhood and have this intentional kind of 50 acre, 20 house. Because of that, he goes, Oh my gosh, I love the vision. Meet with me when you get back. So we get back, we connect. And because of that meeting, um, he gets his former CFO to sell us this land that we currently are in right now at your podcast. Wow. So my point is, is that, uh, you you have no idea um, who you're going to meet and how one thing leads to another to another. So it's that trajectory, right? So my grandmother, I've never thought about this until now, is directly responsible for me being in the land I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have, because if you don't have that experience with her, you may not take the leap when you were your kids and say, hey, you know, let's go explore this area. You know, like serendipity kind of works its magic if you will. And if you, you know, it's one of those things you create those opportunities by leaning into new things, new ideas, different, you know, uh, potential thoughts that you wouldn't have in the past. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Well, let me ask you this. You actually said something there. I want to make sure I underscore, you mentioned when you were 21, you moved to Russia to start your first business. Cause you started what remind me now, 20 plus businesses, right? Yeah, 28, I think. 28. Okay. That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> so your first one, you're 21 to start. Like when did the idea come in your mind that for, I guess, forget Russia for a second, just in general, like I want to start a business. When, when did that idea, when did you know you could do like, start a business and, and it could oh, be something, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're asking great questions that prompt. There was this, there was this old um, museum thing called Enterprise Square when I grew up. And Enterprise Square uh, had all these video games. And the video games were like, uh, start a lawn mowing business video game. Hmm. Okay? And I'm like, I, I'm there and I'm starting a lawn mowing business. So that influenced me to start going. I went to my, I remember going home and I created JK Oil Company. And it was on paper and it was like, here's all the oil wells and I'm going to start an oil uh, energy company. And it just was in me. Like I wanted to start, uh, I wanted to be my, it wasn't even about being my own boss. I wanted to be able to create something from thin air and make it become something mm-hmm. and will it into being. And I'm amazed by it. I love the fact that Apple and uh, all of these businesses started in garages we celebrate all these companies and no one ever goes back and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember they were nobodies yeah. for a decade. They were mm-hmm. nothing forever. And then all of a sudden there was something. And, but it all started with the start. And that start is the most beautiful part. So, but it, it's all tied. So I got to Russia because I had a professor who saw something in me and said, hey, why don't you go with me to Asia uh, for us, uh, a mini semester and six weeks in Asia. And I'll show you how I did business in Asia when I was there. So a group of us went with him hmm. and he so impact that trip. So impacted us. He goes, Hey, I've got this opportunity in Russia. Anyone want to go? And I'm like, I'm in. So I raised my hand in class. And then the next thing I know, we're working on a business plan. And then my classmates, some of us said yes, and there was six of us, 10 of us, I guess, in total moved over. 
and started these wow. businesses in Moscow in the early nineties. Wow. That's a, that's an interesting story in itself. We might have to go deeper into there. Um, if we have some time, I, I'm actually, I wanted to ask though, because you mentioned the video game, were there other, and maybe it's your grandmother you mentioned, maybe it's parents, but like, I, maybe I look at this as like the, the dumb kid growing up. Like I was thinking more about playing golf and sports and having fun. Like when I was a teenager, I wasn't my mind different than it is today. Like I wasn't in that mindset. And sometimes I attribute that to the people that were around me, right, wrong, or indifferent, and just the support system there and what they were into. Did you have other entrepreneurs or business owners or anyone like that around you at that time? Or was this kind of rogue? So my, um, my, it's a weird world. I'm my only child. Um, so that was a factor. Okay. My parents had 10 rent houses or so uh, over time. We had two flower shops and we had a farm full time. Mm-hmm. And now my dad and I are co-owners of our family farm. I was actually yesterday cutting soybeans on a combine. Uh, and I have a weird life. I run technology companies and then I jump on a combine. Yeah. And then I go speak in West Virginia this weekend. It's just a weird life, right? So, but I, it was the uh, lots of time to think in a tractor cab by myself. And I didn't have anyone else. Like I was the only child. So I was around adults most of the time. So I think that was a factor is that I was around a bunch of adults. I'd seen, I had been inspired to create. And so I was always dreaming up businesses to start and things that you can do. And I do it today. I, probably once a day, I'll get an idea of like, oh my gosh, that would be massive for somebody. And I have a little Evernote file and I put all my ideas in the file for somebody. They're just business ideas. Mm. This would be amazing. Someone ought to do it. And in some cases, I'll dig them back out and go, oh, yeah, four years ago, I thought about this. It's perfect time now. Let's go for it. So is there any, and and you said you have a few kids. Is there anything you would encourage? Because I actually have a a child, one child. So he's an only child. Um, But would there be any coaching maybe for the parents listening in to get the kids di- differently, I guess, thinking differently, if you will, any exercises, maybe anything you try with your kids that you found is helpful to, to had, maybe give them guidance. I had this conversation with them. I said, uh, 13 years old, you know, there's a whole process. I went with number 13. Uh, I said, by the age of 15, you need to have, uh, either you need to decide if you're going to be a job creator or have a job. Do you want to be a job creator or have a job? Most people never think about it. They just think I need to go get a job. Well, to be a job creator means you start things. So I said, by the age of 15, you have to either own your own company or you have to uh, work for someone in a significant way. And so all three of my kids had companies by the time they were 15. In fact, most of them had had, most of my my kids, three of them had uh, a business by the time they were 13. So um, now my kids have had several businesses. So my son had a car detailing business um, and started that and did really well at it and then moved to an upgrade, kind of a handyman. Uh, He did garages and went Mm -hmm. installed garages. And so now he's got um, a retreat business where he takes his father-son retreats. He's a college student. He's he's an athlete. He's a uh, decathlete at University of Oklahoma and then does these retreats. So, um, they all have a business mind. My oldest daughter writes children's books. 
Um, she did, she had a video business where she would make videos for companies. Uh, my youngest daughter had a card company, Kate's Cards, and she would make these handmade cards as a as younger. Now, cool. she, now she has a company called Built by Bondi, and it's a Lululemon competitor. It's just a different uh, look and feel. Hmm. She's doing really well, and she's in college. She's a sophomore. But they all three have businesses, um, and they have worked for other people, right? And so, um, but it was all inspired by, are you going to be a job creator, or are you going to have a job? And did you let them do the bulk of the ideation and kind of going through it? Like how much, how much oversight did you have in that starting up of the business? We meet every quarter we meet. And so I, I meet with my kids based on, and I figured out their wiring, their personality. So I'd have the meetings based on them, not me. And so they're all a little bit different, but my son's really buttoned up and we have like a detailed meeting. We're going to meet again in the next couple of weeks and have our quarterly but I do a quarterly meeting with my kids and now we look at their world and their portfolio of work. And I'll ask them the base. How's your, um, you know, how are you doing school? All those things. How's your friends? Cause I, I teach them bad friends, bad decisions, bad life. And so that's a big component. And then yeah. we get into, we get into, um, their portfolio of work. Okay. What are you working on? And then I'm a sounding board for them. So I'm now at a point cause they're older. They're in their, all in their twenties. Um, and so I can, I'm basically, I'm a sounding board to them to, what are you working on? What resources do you need? Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I like that approach there. Well, I want to go back and, and maybe obviously it's some of the stuff you, you do with your kids potentially, but thinking about yourself, you can go back to the first business because probably that's when, you know, we're always the most naive and we've never started with a beginner learner, but you could take any of your businesses if you want for this. You said something earlier about the, and, and obviously with the, you know, who says you can't mentality, kind of that questioning of like the world and stuff. It's funny. I actually had written on my mirror, why can't it be you? So kind of similar thought, like it's just like to give yourself confidence. So I, I, I really love that. But what was the hurdle that you remember you've gone through? Maybe it's a couple in those first early businesses. Again, who knows? It could be one you started last year that you, but what are some things? So if someone's looking to get started with a business or even just branch out and try something new, do, do you recall a couple of hurdles that you overcame? Maybe things for people to watch out for? Yeah, I wrote in my first book was called Leadership is Dead. And I talked a lot about this. I'm talking about my Russian stories, my mafia stories. And in it, um, one of them is called the wall of self-preservation. And uh, the wall of self-preservation limits influence mm -hmm. and it's substantial. And it goes like this, um, three questions. What are you afraid of losing? What are you trying to prove? And what are you trying to hide? And if you can get to the point, I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to hide. That is the secure, confident humility that propels you as a person that people want to follow. And I had to overcome those three. Like, what am I trying to hide? Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. That's a common thing. I don't know what I'm doing. No one does. So be two weeks ahead of everybody else. You're good. That's my, that's my, yeah. you're two weeks ahead. You're good. Yeah. Um, what am I afraid of losing? Well, I'm leaving job security to start. What if it doesn't work? So in European cultures, Failure is for life. Failure is over your family. In American culture, failure is a, you know, unless you fell a hundred times, but failure is just a scar. 
Um, and so in, in essence, it's like uh, getting to the point, I have nothing to prove. I'm not trying to prove to my dad. I'm not trying to prove to you. I'm, I'm simply believe in this and I think it's good. And I do the hard work to get something from zero to five to 10 and mm-hmm. so on. And so, forth. so I had to overcome my own self-preservation, my own fear of losing and my own and, and trying to prove myself. Those were the things that I was um, mostly falling for. Did that take a long time? Uh, it's taken a whole life. <laughs> well, I want to just underscore, like it's, it's not something you did like some retreat for a weekend and all of a sudden you were a changed no. man. Like it, it takes time to go through that. You, you never graduate from the scale of self-awareness. So it, yeah. it's just the, it's the process though. But what, what happened was I started to own it. And for me, I've started to recognize my tendencies. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a tendency to be defensive. Totally. I have a tendency to try to prove myself and exaggerate at times because I'm trying to prove myself. And so when I know those things, then I can lead myself and go, when does it happen? And why does it happen? And what do I normally do? What instead of doing that, I do something different. So I started to work on my own influence and started to work on myself in a way that's positive. So then people are attracted to that because they see that I'm a mature and secure person. Now, I'm not saying I always am. I'm not. But my point is, it's a journey. And I'm on the intentional journey. I'm not living the accidental lifestyle. So that intentional journey is that process of me, which is really my core business is called Giant. And um, I built a business um, that basically helps people become self-aware. And so it's a a leader development business, but it's it's all about self-awareness. And I primarily, uh, the way I create companies a lot of times is I take my own issues and create mm-hmm. companies around them going, I bet you struggle with it too. And that's what we did with Giant. Do, do you find, do you put, because you mentioned, you know, all this stuff, like you're cutting the soybeans and then going to West Virginia of all this stuff going on. Is there intentional time that you sit with yourself and, and do self-reflection? Like, do you have a certain process there um, to go through that or routine? Yeah, I actually, I, I used to do like, uh, yeah, I need to have, I've got to figure out a way to carve and have a retreat. And then I put so much pressure on that retreat. So I started breaking it up to daily and I do it every day at 530. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, it's called an examine. And I do, I, um, I do three things. I, I go through my day. I look at my calendar, like literally pull my phone up and I go, what are the highlights from today? And I do like a high five, like, oh, that was really good talk. That was a good podcast with, with Brian. I had a good time with Bronson or blah, blah, blah. And I look at the, the high fives and it's kind of like, I'm thankful for those things. It's like gratitude. Then I go back through and I look through and say, where was my attitude? Where was my mind, my heart? Was I off anything? Why was I mad at so-and-so? Why did I have that frustration about that with Amy? What was the blah, blah, blah. And I, I list them and then I do the work of, is it me? Start with me. What's my tendency here? Oh, I'm trying to prove myself to her. That's it. Totally. And, and then I analyze from myself, not from what they did wrong to me, but what's my responsibility. And then I look at tomorrow and I kind of get my mindset around. What do I need to do? But more importantly, how do I need to feel and think about tomorrow? So I thought about you in this podcast yesterday, thinking, am I ready for it? I looked at the show notes. I kind of got prepared. Mm. So what's happening then is I have short accounts. Yeah. 
So every single day, so my evenings are better because I've dealt with stuff and I don't let stuff build up. And that's the problem. A lot of people let stuff build up, build up, build up, and they go to counseling or then they go do a retreat yeah. and then all this pressure. When I just kind of release the pressure and tension every single day, um, yeah. it's much easier. Well, Andy, and you mentioned something there and I'm, I'm wondering if this is part of it. Like you were talking about thinking about the podcast yesterday. You've also not so, so I guess research, you can, we'll use that word, but like you're already prepared a little bit. You're not just going like, Oh, I'm showing up the zoom. I got this three minutes. I got to jump on here. And then you're like, what are we talking about? Like you've actually gone through a little examination with that so that you have some preparation and you can have a more intentional conversation. Right. So probably you do that with meetings and other stuff. If I'm assuming. Absolutely. Uh, I have a buffer zone on the way home. I, tr- I have a trigger point. I have this one school um, that's my kid's school is actually about uh, where they went to high school, but it's about uh, four minutes from my house. When I get there, it's called OCS. When I get to OCS, it's my trigger point and I switch. It's so what I do is I, st- I get off the call. I stop thinking about whatever work I was thinking on. And then I'm an empty nester. So it's just me and my wife, but I go, okay, what are we doing tonight? Where do we need to be? So giving myself a trigger and a buffer, because that's the problem. Most of you listening, you haven't put this in this system in. So you do show up hurried or frustrated or you haven't processed and thought through it. So I just gave myself a little bit of time and I just go, great. Um, tonight, we're going to go dinner with, um, with Mike and Courtney. Awesome. There we go. I'm ready. I got my mind there. So when I show up, I'm present. And I used to be overproductive and underpresent, and it started to product, uh, affect my productivity. Now I'm I'm rightly present, and I'm really productive because I can get things done much differently. And maybe it's age. Maybe it's the stage of life I'm in. Yeah. Well, but you you know, again, it's one of these things like you've thought about it a little bit. So it's like your mind, you have a different headspace about it versus just rushing into it. And because, you know, like think about all the all the times we've had phone calls with people or interviews or whatever. And then like five minutes after, you're like, damn it, I wish I, I was I should have said that I forgot. Well, yeah, if we put thought into it prior. Now you're actually a little more structured, you know, with your your thoughts. So, right. Um let me ask you this. This is actually a, an aside. I, I wasn't going to ask this until we actually jumped in the conversation. This just popped up, but I'm wondering if you could be retrospective on this. Obviously, with all the different businesses you started, and let me just ask: have you have you stopped any of those businesses? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've okay. had uh, I've had a number fail. I had three dot coms back then, dot com day, and one we sold one. I had to turn one off, and then I lost one, and so you know it was kind of one, one, and one. Uh, I, I bought, I used to own John Maxwell's company. So, um, I sold those businesses. I used to own the leader cast brand and catalyst conferences, uh, sold those. So I've sold a number, um, probably 60% of the companies I've sold. And then some key are continuing to run. And then the rest of, have we had to, I, they, they fulfilled their mission or I had to close them. Well, yeah. And here's what I was going to get at. Cause I actually, with all your experience, you would be really good to ask this too, is how did you know? Cause one of these things I've talked with a lot of folks recently on is sunk costs. We keep doing things because we think, well, that's, I've invested so much into it. When did you know, or maybe it's something you're still learning. Like, how do you know when to stop those? Or were there any triggers or indicators when it's time to let your baby kind of out of the nest, if you will? 
No, I'll, I'll give a different answer than most would. Um, for me, it's if I don't have the people. Uh, a business is, is the business model, the capitalization of the model, and the people for that model. Mm-hmm. And if you think of those three areas, most everyone puts focus on the business model, uh, which is important. But uh, if you don't have the people, if you have the model and the money and no people, what do you have? You know, if you have the model and people and the money, you don't have a business, so on and so forth. So for me, I look at it and go, uh, I apprentice people. So if I have the people, in fact, uh, there's a great company, uh, Quick Trip. They're a convenience store business. Mm-hmm. They don't expand into another uh, region or area until they have their entire team too deep ready to go because they apprentice from within. Mm-hmm. So they're growing. So if you're assistant manager here, you're going to get the chance to be a general manager of another store, but you have to build a team and you have to scale. So I've taken the same approach. So uh, I don't do anything until I have the people to do it. So in the case of Giant, uh, I just transitioned from CEO to um, executive chairman. Well, I had Bronson and Mike out of a good team of people. Well, Bronson uh, became the CEO. Mm-hmm. And because I had, I had, CEO material underneath me and he was better than me. So I positioned him to be in that role. And now I get the freedom of doing other things. Right. So at the same time, um, I have an apprenticeship. We just launched, I have two new apprentice apprentices that are launching in a media and content business that we're about to form. Hmm. And these two young bucks, um, they're getting the chance to learn the ropes and the basics and we're paying them 500 a month and it's not much. Uh, they, they're still in college so they, their senior year, and but we're basically building for what will be, and we think these guys have a chance to really be a, a key players of a business. So that's that's like you're always intentionally, you get your team, your laborers, your your people have to be a major factor. So if you're stuck, if you go, hey, the business, I'm tired, it's not making money, and I have no one to pass it off, I have no apprentices, yeah, you're done move on because if you, you have to have the people, the people are the key component. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. What if we taught, so you mentioned a couple of these new programs you guys are doing and stuff. What if, if you and I, if I had you back in the podcast in two years, I want you to think now future a little bit, what would you be hopeful that, what would you want to be talking about at that time? What are some things you're excited about maybe that you guys are building or things that you're personally doing? What do you think would be cool to chat about in two years? Uh, so I'm exploring right now um, uh, work styles and the 21st century. So two things, work styles and how people work. And uh, there's a way to design your life to, to create the ideal work style that best fits your life. And there's seven work styles. And so I, I, I would be talking about that because I'm launching that. Um, I'm also working on technology uh, to scale leader development that scales and, uh, how do you actually like Peloton and Netflix and that combination we've actually created that with giant, um, TV Mm -hmm. and, and now we're experiencing this, uh, scale where most leader development is still in the 20th century. And we figured out how to actually do 21st century leader development where it's low cost micro learning, um, but people teach people to teach people to teach people. And it's just, it's really, really fascinating. And it's really fun, the psychology of it. 
So uh, I'd be talking about that. And then I'd probably also be talking about the 21st century of publishing and how publishing houses are done. And um, I would be uh, telling you of the advances that we've made and how do you actually do publishing in the 21st century? Um, so that's that's no, well, and all of those actually fascinate me. We, we might, I might have you back on if you're willing and chat about some of those because, uh, why well, actually it was cool. Cause you mentioned one of your, your children, I think it was one of your daughters wrote a children's book. Um, I had actually, you can see above my shoulder there. That's my first children's book launch earlier this year. I had my oh, second one. Yeah. My second one coming out in probably February. I haven't set a launch date. Um, but yeah, we need to talk for sure. I, I need to learn from you. Yeah, I mean, the, the, well, the publishing because I've done self-publishing. That's been something fascinating going down that path of because there is there's all these barriers to entry of actually getting with a publishing house and got to get an agent and all this jazz. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it seems like there's it, it seems like it's an outdated system. Like with education, with there's a lot of other there's a lot of outdated processes in the world. And it's like, wait a minute, we can turn this on its head a little bit. So, anyways, I've actually been. It's funny you mentioned. I've been thinking about that a lot recently. So, and uh, it might be cool to uh, to jam out a little bit more. Um, let me ask you this. Let, let, let's end on this, and uh, maybe we have a part two then uh, here soon. But I want you to look back at your. And you can go back to the 16 year old, but look back at your kind of your adult life, if you will, all these businesses you started, all these opportunities. If you could go back, so someone listening in that's getting started right now, um, that, that's early on the journey, the first couple steps, what have you learned in that time that's been the most impactful, do you think? And I know it's hard sometimes to pick one, but maybe it's a quote. You mentioned some stuff earlier, maybe we can pull from, or is there something else you would share as a great? kind of launch point for people uh, to think about as they go forward? Well, if they're younger, if you're younger, um, the phrase to just get started is something my dad shared with me. It was um, in your twenties, it's not what you do. It's who you work for that makes the most difference. Hmm. Don't follow the money and the prestige of the job and be miserable working for a horrible culture inside with a horrible boss, but find the apprentice, find the person that can take you places. And that's significant. Um, and do the hard yards in the beginning. So that, that's how I would say just getting started in your age stage of life. The second one is um, worry is a prayer of disbelief. And worry is actually constantly speaking negative over you. Mm-hmm. And so I've literally been working for years of just eradicating negativity. Yeah. And because it has no, it doesn't do anything. It adds zero value um, to your world. And it, it's wrong 95% of the time, 98% of the time. So those are, those are two thoughts that I would give someone who's listening. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And it, yeah, it reminds me of the, uh, the Seneca quote, we suffer more in imagination than in reality. It's kind of like, we're always worrying about what hasn't happened yet and where we're going versus focusing on the present moment and, you know, where we can make our life, you know, the happiest, at least that's, that's how I think. So yeah, those are, those are some great points. Uh, maybe a good ending point there. Um, what, what if, if folks want to say hello to you online, where do you, where do you spend time? Where's the best spot? Yeah, so you, you've got a couple. Uh, one's jeremykubitschek.com. Not very easy to spell, uh, but uh, uh, that's one. But the one I would give you is if you wanted to, if you just wanted to see what we're talking about, what I do, um, you can go to giantcoach.com slash just get started. And so you can use your brand, Brian, in that. Mm-hmm. And you can go. And if you go there, giantcoach.com slash just get started, 
You can take an assessment called the Five Voices, which is a certification on your personality and wiring. We just simplified where Myers-Briggs and CUNY and Typology mm-hmm. and all that. It's so much easier. Uh, you can also see how people want to get certified. A lot of people like to get certified off of what we do. And they just get started. People will have a side hustle or a full-time job on our leader development. So Giant is a, is a certification house. We certified people to help start businesses. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, you can go check those out there. And this is both, just to clarify for folks listening, this is both for if you want to be like an actual coach, like kind of like your own separate coach, but also if you work for an organization in a leadership role, you can also get certified as well. Right. That's just right. to clarify. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I'll put all that in the show notes. Uh, this is awesome, man. Really. And again, these go on some random tangents, you never know. So I really appreciate the, uh, the insightful uh, answers to the questions. Yeah. Well, you, you, you made me think about my grandmother and that was awesome. So I, I had a whole new, I hadn't thought about that story in decades. So it's great. Thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview, and thanks again for stopping by. And just one more quick thing before you run along in your day. If you were looking for some more resources, some more insight, you know, inspiration, things to get you going a little bit further on your journey, feel free to head over to my website, brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe, and you can sign up for my weekly newsletter that comes out. That's more of a digest of a lot of information that I discover throughout the week, whether it's a new podcast I listen to, or maybe it's a great follow online that's very insightful, or a video I came across. I put that in a digestible form that you get once a week, as well as I blog three times a week. And these are very micro-type blogs, one to five minute reads. They hit your inbox Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, and maybe give you a little dose of inspiration to get you going on your day. So feel free to sign up for those if it's something you might find as value. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. 